Welcome to Bamsey's Humanity First Podcast. I am Chris Reinald with Peter Evers here at Bamsey's World Headquarters in Brockton, Massachusetts. And we're going to talk intently about the American Rescue Plan and how Bamsey has been proactive in uh, getting some funding via that and also how Bamsey is raising wages as well in just a little bit. Um, but first, before we get into that, I want to touch upon a couple news items uh, that are significant here in, uh, in southern uh, Massachusetts, and the first one is the Delta variant and how that is uh, permeating through the uh, the community. What have you noticed about that, Peter, and what is your expectation for how things are going to continue in the workplace and what the expectation is for uh, different protocols, masks, uh, both here and also in the community? Thanks, Chris. Um, I think it's very appropriate to start with this conversation because I think it's on everyone's mind. This didn't turn out to be the summer that we expected, this summer of great celebration. We've, we're dealing with the, the Delta variant. We had a couple of those uh, South African, Australian ones before, the Indian as well. So it seems like this is the latest in this series of replications of the, the original Corona-19 uh, uh, vi- virus. Um, we have to take it very seriously. We've had a spike uh, in infections in uh, Bamsey over the last two weeks. Um, in fact, one house, uh, all of the persons um, served were uh, uh, tested positive. Um, they were all vaccinated and their symptoms, have, they've been asymptomatic since then. And that's, that's great. But a couple of our staff have been really, really sick. Um, so this is serious. Um, and when you look at the, what they call the R rate uh, of COVID, uh, the original COVID was, I think, R1.5. Um, now we're looking at a Delta variant, which is uh, R6.5. So if you look at some of the more virulent um, um, infections, it really only goes up to around 10 for that. Uh, that is, for every person that's infected, 10 people would get <coughs> infected, such as, I think, chickenpox is one of those. Uh, we're, we're over halfway towards that. This is a very, very infectious um, variant, and we have to be careful with it. And we have to, the state has required that we go back to weekly testing for anybody, that's anybody who works in the field, um, and that is regardless of vaccination. Those, that's Unfortunately, those are the rules. That's the evidence-based practice at the moment, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, can't take it lightly. If you look at other countries, there uh, there is a curve to this. Uh, if you look at um, Australia, if you look at Britain, uh, they're on the on the downside of that. Uh, so that's uh, good to know. Uh, Massachusetts has a 75% um, vaccination rate, which is excellent compared to the rest of the country. But, uh, you know, our borders are porous and we have people crossing uh, borders all the time. So being vigilant, I think, is enormously important uh, during this period and, and uh, ongoing. And so we'll be wearing masks uh, and we will be persuading people with every uh, effort that we can uh, that getting vaccinated is uh, really the long-term solution to this. I want to ask you about a couple other um, major issues, and one, of course, is what's taking place in Afghanistan, which seems very abstract to folks in Massachusetts, but there are tens of thousands of refugees who are going to be coming into the United States of America, and um, what has BAMSI been doing on that, and do you expect that some of those refugees will be settling here in this community? We don't know yet, uh, but likely, I think there is going to be an influx of folks. Um, you know, it's uh, it's very sad what what is happening in Afghanistan at the moment, and I just want to recognize as well our armed forces who are out there and who fought 
uh, for Afghani freedom. And, uh, and you know, it, it's a very difficult time when they see that all of that good work was undone in such a short period of time. Not going to get into the politics of it, but the ramifications are that there will be significant people, those people who helped U.S. and um, U.N. forces uh, over the last 20 years who need to get out of Afghanistan as quickly as they can because I don't believe that any of the messages that we're hearing uh, around, a, a, you know, a, a more uh, a gentler re- uh, regime regimen regime i'm sorry uh is is true at all um i've been in touch with Accenture services this week uh they are the agency that deal with refugees and said look if those and, and also the mayor's office in brockton and said if brockton is a destination for those people then we'd like to be involved in that by offering services you think about people fleeing uh from that kind of situation there's going to be an awful lot of trauma that has to be dealt with uh and you know we really want to be a part of that one of the there's been many images from Afghanistan, but one of the ones that stuck with me is just seeing people go into the airport with their entire lives on their backs, a backpack, back with their belongings. And to me, that is just so sad and significant. In that, yeah, there has to be trauma associated with leaving your home, a place you've been. If you're a kid for maybe ten years, if you're an adult for maybe forty years, and taking everything that you have with you in a backpack and leaving everything else behind. There's also been some um, trauma, obviously, in Haiti, uh, and uh, I know Bams has been engaged in that realm. Well, we know that um, a significant number of our dedicated and wonderful workforce are originally from Haiti or or part of the diaspora. Um, And, uh, again, we brought this up in our racial social justice um, meeting last week and said we have to do something. We have to do something to support those families. They know they're connected with people who um, who have lost loved ones. Uh, this is not a replication of the earthquake ten, 10 years ago, but it's for those people who have lost their homes um, and uh, thousands of people that have lost their lives. Uh, this is just another awful tragedy that's happened to a, a country that just needs our help as much as possible. We did reach out again to the mayor's office. They have, uh, they're working with a couple of um, uh, Haitian um, charities. Uh, there's a delivery, actually, that's going out from the town hall uh, sorry, City Hall, uh, on September the 9th. So if anybody does want to donate tarps, um, tents, and money, um, I, it'll be welcome, uh, it'll be received well, and uh, and we'll get some help over them. Actually, when I came back into the office today, I bumped into one of our Haitian staff, who's a direct worker, and, and he said, anything we can do, because the country is just, I mean, there was, they're dealing with covid They've had the earthquake, and then, of course, there was the torrential rain two days later, and three weeks before yeah. that, the, the assassination of the president. It's just awful, and he we need help. holding power um, despite not being elected, from what I understand, and there's just some obvious circumstances surrounding that. So it's been just, a, just an onslaught of awful. Yeah. horrible events for the, the Haitian people. All right, so let's transition a bit and talk about the American Rescue Plan and how that has benefited Bams and have been proactive in uh, making sure that we derive those benefits. And I'll hand it over to Peter once again to introduce Thanks, Chris. Well, we have uh, the privilege of having David Simmons on the show today. David, I don't know if you can actually say you knew anymore. Maybe you'll debate me on that. But David's been here for about... Oh, just over five months. Five months now, uh, and has done a really wonderful job in looking at the finances of the organization, 
um, identifying some uh, changes that I think needed to happen in some of our processes in terms of our collection, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, I know I'm really glad to, to have you here, David, and I'm glad to have you on the show as well, because I think one of the things that we don't know too much about, and I was in a meeting this morning where still the state is working on this, but the American Rescue Plan Act uh, is uh, a w- welcome sort of music to my ears in terms of this continuing theme of the message that we need to keep uh, supporting our essential workers, our direct care staff, our nursing staff, our clinicians, uh, and this, and the federal government has um, really come through. Um, well, I guess we'll see how they come through uh, over the next year or two. Um, so, uh, just to kick off, uh, any any uh, uh, initial observations about how this is going to go down, and then maybe we'll go back to the decision that we made probably two or three months ago around being a little bit ahead of the curve in, in what the sure. ARPA brought? Um, I think, you know, from a regulatory standpoint, anything that passes through to organizations like BAMSI and a ton of other organizations out there trying to do good work with people every single day is a tremendous thing. And it seems like so much effort goes into trying to figure out which way the dollars are going to flow and by how much and for what's the target. And the reality is is all of it needs to be a target at some point in time. And if the world is not ever going to return to what we once was, and these are all now the new norms in some sense, you know, I think in the end it ends up changing the entire rate structure. I don't think you can continue doing what we're doing, leaving everything as it was, hoping you can get back to it, which doesn't seem to be realistic, and then continuing to come up with different add-ons in different areas to enhance what all of a sudden has risen to into the limelight as the big problem of the day, when in fact it was there all along, along with 25 others on either side of it that, that also need help. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's good to see that they're now targeting and saying, yes, okay, we're going to get dollars in this particular sector. Um, again, how they're going to do that is anybody's best guess. Um, I don't think it really matters how they do it in the end because we'll already be in a position of taking steps to do what we need to do to continue to show up how we provide our services. And what you always got to keep in mind is that whenever someone's passing dollars through to you, be it the federal government or the state government or anybody in, in granting dollars, is that they're really worried about how you're going to spend it. And so with in that regard, it, it, it's funding things that have already been spent and kind of reimbursing us as we go forward. And, and you, know, you alluded a moment ago to um, decisions we made several months ago in terms of what we were going to pay for um, rates for our, our lowest paid workers at that point and what we were going to do to try and enhance that and make it so that we were an employer of choice uh, going forward. You know, we were way ahead of the curve in that. It's a nice planning aspect, and it all came to fruition, and that dollars are coming back. And so, um, you know, the reimbursement fact is already there. So I didn't really talk about the global nature of the plan and what we implemented. Yeah, and I think you're right. I mean, we will be flexible. If somebody's going to send us money, we will find a way to accept it, right? Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) And um, there was a conversation this morning at our trade association, and again, I was sort of um, quietly proud uh, about what we had done because there's a couple of things that really worry um, 
providers at the moment like BAMSI. One of them is that there is a stipulation with this money that it has to go to our direct care um, frontline workers. Um, we don't have a problem with that because we committed that money already. And in some ways, um, not only does it, uh, it look like and it is that we, that we made that decision before the ARPA came out, but it also means we don't have to worry about that mo- where, how we allocate that money because it's already self-allocated by the decision that we made. And so when people, other folks are saying, well, we, don't, we, we think we're going to give people bonuses. reason they don't want to give uh, pay raises is that they don't know when that money is going to end. Mm-hmm. I think our feeling was we need, to, we, we need to value the people that are here mm-hmm. and we need to encourage people who come to us. And we talk a lot about this employee value proposition. Now, it isn't all about money, but it's a lot about money. Mm-hmm. When you know that some of our folks have to, get, have to work three jobs in order to pay the bills and put food on the table, that's what we're trying to change. We're trying to uh, improve the proposition here, which is we value your work and we've told you that and we keep telling you that, but we are taking a risk and saying, well, let's, let's put our money in some ways where our mouth is. And, um, and so the great thing about that is we don't have to worry about that. We know that that money goes directly to where it needs to go. And, you know, I, I think that we've already, we've already started the process and seeing the benefits from having made that decision by virtue of the fact that we have vacancies and openings in a lot of key areas. And funds were targeted and designated to say, we are going to do better in these areas, and we're going to look to hire employees with certain skill sets. And that is exactly what has transitioned out over the last 30 to 45 days with our um, orientation classes. And uh, I think it's the number's up over 50 people right now that we've been able to 65 add. 65 in the last four weeks. 65 out of the last one. So that is targeting roughly... 20% of our, what our overall goal for, for ads, were, I think, were to get, to get back to if we were going to be full force again. Yeah. Um, and it should continue because we've taken a step not only to be, you know, in co- at a good level of competition with those that are out there for other agencies, but we've gone a step beyond, I think, as well, to make us that much more attractive. And so I think it's we're in really good shape that way, and... The results are, what's that phrase you like to use? The proof is in the pudding. The proof is in the pudding. That's right. (laughs) Bit of a process question for the people who are wondering exactly what the American Rescue Plan is and how an organization goes about trying to get a slice of what is a $1.9 trillion pie. Where the American Rescue Plan is the first major legislation enacted by the Biden administration and went into effect in law on. March uh, the 11th, obviously a COVID stimulus package. Um, so how does an organization like a BAMSI or other organizations go about trying to get some of the, uh, the money? Um, what's the process like for you as a chief financial officer of trying to engage and how long does it take for this, these types of funds to be spent? To be obtained or to be spent? Well, the for not for to be spent by Bamsey, but for the um, spent for, for the federal government or the state government to um, spend the, the money uh, that they have. I'll control. bet they could probably be done in a couple of days if they really wanted to. Um, <laughs> but it is 
I mean, application process and things of that nature, it's tedious, and but it's not really that difficult. They don't, the access is made, I think, quite easy. It's just always understanding where and when you're going to get it and based on on what is the computation based upon that is the slice that Bansy's going to receive and in which programs um, and over what period of time. So do you, do you apply to the state government or the federal government? Um, it is... It comes in as part of our rates, if you want to think of it that way, in terms of we already have contracted situations with the Commonwealth to provide the services that we already provide. And what's actually happening is that they are now receiving more dollars in which they are in turn supposed to add that into rates that we are getting paid presently. And so that's how the money will come in and spread across different programs for certain payers and as Peter's already indicated, we've already committed dollars to those programs from a salary perspective. So we, I don't think we're going to have any concerns at all with regard to being able to show that we have invested the money um, in the right employees at the right level um, uh, going forward. So I think yeah. it's very healthy that way. So I don't know if you either of you have the answer to this, but there's, you know, it's sliced up in a number of different ways. One of them is two, uh, $219 billion goes tax credits and aid and child care for families. Mm-hmm. So if you're an individual and you're looking for aid or child care, um, does that, do you look, go and, and look for it, or does an organization like BAMSI, who we've talked uh, previously with Sam about establishing a child care aspect of our organization, how does that work when it says, oh, this, this amount of money is being dedicated, where you hear a political figure say, well, this much of it, $219 billion, is going to allow for affordable child care. What does that mean in actuality? So I, I'm going to have a go at it, and you, you can mm-hmm. correct me. Um, so if you think about these dollars, and these dollars, just to go back to our case, these dollars are an additional 10% on the, medic, on the, on the federal match that we get for the billing that we do through Medicaid and, and other um, Title Five, I think, um, and so that ten percent will come through, and it'll so it'll start with the feds, it'll come to the state, it'll go to all of the different departments. So you know, early child, uh, early childhood, and whatever that's called, that department will then <coughs> receive that fiftieth mm-hmm. uh, or whatever. Uh, that wouldn't be a fiftieth, but I'm just right. saying fifty states. And then there w- I would imagine there will be add-ons to childcare facilities in the same way that, that they are for us. If the special projects, they'll put what they call uh, our uh, request for proposals out mm-hmm. for particular things. And I think what they'll do in that particular case is increase the number of daycare vouchers, uh, of childcare vouchers that they have. That would be the easiest way to get money out. And think about it, the states and the feds really do want this money to get to the people who need it uh, uh, as quickly as possible. So I think it will be in a, a daycare vouchers. And so, say, if we were providing that, we could we would then be o- able to offer those vouchers mm-hmm. to more people so they didn't have to pay. That's an example. I don't know, David. Uh, I, I mean, that that's one path that will definitely take. The other, obviously, is for people trying to file and obtain those credits on their personal tax returns right. on the back end. Yes. That's, that's, that's another way that, that it can happen and can get there. Uh, and I think that's all probably going to be based on income levels mm-hmm. of, of people and, and so on and so forth. But you'll see all daycare providers out there will in some way or shape be receiving dollars in what their reimbursement for their building is to then turn around and pay their workers more. And then the people buying said services are going to be using the vouchers like you're talking about to get it so that they're not paying the cash. The government's already carrying that for them. So. 
Yeah, I just wanted to go back to the question because I remember when we went to the finance department, we said we want to spend, you know, 15 to 20% above what our uh, state contracts are coming in. And, and they sort of looked at us like a quizzical dog <laughs> with the tilted head and said, ha, ha, what do you mean? Um, so we, we um, sort of rather pompously called this the grand bargain. Um, but really, D- David, can you talk a minute about that? Because, you know, uh, every law of chemistry and physics is that the equations have to balance at the end of the day. And w- so we had to put a, a plan forward to say, this is how we'll account for this increase. I, I think... Um Everybody's definition of how long a day is becomes different in that situation. Yeah. Uh, to see how it's truly going to pan out, because in essence, what we what we've done is we've overcommitted in advance, putting action in play to earn our way back to paying that bill forward over a period of time, be it six months, be it a year, sometimes maybe even longer, depending how, on what the situation becomes. And that's only a simple function of being willing to bankroll the effort, if you will, until such point in time as either reimbursement catches up a little bit or the cost savings initiatives that we put in play or the change in manner in which we do business allows us to be able to pay that good competitive living wage and achieve the organization's overall results at the same time. So it basically means that you know I'm I'm fronting a thousand bucks out, and I only have the ability really to pay you know eighty five of eighty five hundred and fifty bucks of that thousand dollars, and the other hundred and fifty we've got to take out of our savings and support for a short while, and then if we do better with our hiring, well then it costs less having your own employee in place even at this increased level than it does to pay everybody at an overtime rate. Mm-hmm in which you're also then really taxing people and, and making the staff less effective in the care they deliver, and then also not having to purchase as much from um, agencies that are in place to do nothing but provide people when there is a staffing shortages for places. So in, a, in an actuality, what does this mean for the Bamsey employee or potential employee when you say living wage? Does that mean um, what is the, the minimum wage, if you will, for, for Bamsey going to be? What are you pledging to do for, uh, for workers? For everybody, the minimum starting salary will be between 17 and 17.50. There's, I think there's a couple. Uh, I think our, our, our sleep overnight folks yep. are paid a little less than that because they come to work to sleep, um, although that's a very important role. But, yes, that's basically where we are. Before then, we were as low, I think. 14, as, yeah, even lower. Yeah, yep. 13. Um, so that's a huge adjustment in some cases around 20%. So that Yeah, that's the minimum wage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so that means that people, and I've heard this a lot, and I, I don't know if you have, David, but I've heard that people say we really, we felt valued by that. We felt that that the organization did something, did did a big thing. Because I'll go back and say, I think we've done a lot around um, selling the idea of BAMSI to our employees with listening sessions, with tuition reimbursement and remission, uh, and making sure that our benefits didn't increase uh, a penny to folks this year. Um, all of those things are these little building blocks of, of, of building a trusting relationship with our with our employees. But if you can actually step up and say, you know, we're going we, to recognize 
uh, your essentialness by increasing your your salaries, your wages and salaries by twenty percent. People notice that, um, and they certainly are. I think. Yeah, normally, what happens when even when you're trying to do something like that, you're you're giving with one hand and taking back with with the other by having benefits cost more. We were went. Very careful. Spent a lot of time working on the overall health benefit situation, and and swallowed and ate the difference of whatever the price increase was this year as well, to keep whatever somebody was contributing at the same level while also increasing the net take home. And yeah. how does that compare, Peter and David, with what's taken place in the industry as a whole over the last now eighteen months of uh, this pandemic? Has there been decreases in benefits and have salaries remain stagnant. You mentioned that different organizations are dealing with this in a different ways. Some are doing bonuses or investing in different areas. You decided that um, the best investment is in uh, making sure that each employee has a living wage and actually receives a, a bonus, uh, if you will, or an increase in, in salary percent on a percentage basis. So is this uh, adverse with what's taking place in the whole of entities like ours or no? I I think it is comparable in many cases, but everybody's composition as, as an organization is different depending on how old they've been, how old they are, how progressive they are um, in terms of what they're trying to do because the model can't be the same anywhere because no entity is exactly the same. Um, so it, it's just going it, to – it's a hard sell. But I have had multiple conversations with some of my peers out there and, you know, they hear what we're doing. I hear what they're doing. And it's like, you know, sometimes some of what they're doing is, oh, this makes really good sense and I'll bring it to the table with us or, or, or other members of our team will. And other times you kind of sit there and go, man, that doesn't sound like the right way to go at all. But I'm not living in their shoes and what they're trying to achieve. Um, so, you know, I, I think everybody's trying to do their best with these things, but some, I think, are going above and beyond in different areas. And I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of the fact that I know that we have. We have put forth a really solid effort and, and package to go forward to say, this is what matters out there right now. And so. Yeah, I think I, I would agree. And nobody, I mean, the people that we work with are good people and other organizations are doing things slightly differently. We just made a decision to go forward with this. And I think I think it's going to pay off. But, you know, Chris, can I just address one thing you said? You said a living wage. That That's one of those things that, you know, in Massachusetts, it has a high cost of living. Uh, and we've made adjustments upwards in people's salaries but I'm, and wages, but I'm not sure if it's still a living wage. And it's still something that we need to fight for. Um, for me, it's a it's a social justice issue yeah. that we're asking people uh, to work two jobs because literally they can't feed their families and pay yeah, their right. bills for I mean, that. The, we've talked about the significant increase in the cost of living. So the living wage is something, as you mentioned, is a moving target, particularly with the cost of, um, of apartments and houses and yeah. used cars. All these, all these increases in inflation of cost, um, it's very difficult to keep up with that, with that. And you know, we talked a couple shows ago about how much you have to make on a individual basis in order to afford the rent around here or in New England at this point, and it's you know, fifty to seventy thousand um, dollars. For a person to have to make to, to afford to live in an apartment. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. It's difficult. So I just, uh, I just wanted to address that, and yeah. I, you know, I just think that we, this isn't over. This battle isn't over in terms of making sure that the people who are doing the 
wonderful work that they're doing on a daily basis a, a, a recompense appropriately for, for the effort that they put in. Any additional aspects of uh, the American Rescue Plan, Dave, that you wanted to, to touch upon and how BAMSI has been able to, to benefit from that or uh, other legislation which is being discussed uh, currently uh, in D.C. or in the, uh, the legislature uh, here in the Commonwealth? I, um, you know, I'm, I'm intrigued by some of the other portions of the act to talk about um, support and funding for folks who are out on COBRA who have lost their jobs because of um, mm-hmm. um, COVID and nice act, nice provisions that are going on there that are helping people stay and maintain on <laughs> insurance and health plans because the moment people fall off of those rosters, they're really falling through the cracks and where do they end up going then? But only back to the hospital and emergency room situation, which is already in a very uh, precarious position. So that aspect, I think, is a very nice component of of the act overall as well. Um, I could bore you with some of the regulatory pieces that I'm seeing coming through for things that I have to do, file paperwork, but that's not the purpose of what we do. I'm I'm always interested in in the regulatory aspect of things. And you mentioned earlier, just, uh, I don't want to, again, we don't want to go into it too far, but um, what are, because I think people also who are, uh, particularly on the conservative side of things, wonder if there are actually checks and balances that are being put in place to make sure that money is being spent <laughs> appropriately. And I think that you can certainly attest to uh, to that. Oh, mo- most definitely. The, the, the oversight on many of these things is still developing. Something um, you know, highly in the public eye was the uh, payroll protection mm-hmm. uh, loans that were mm-hmm. going forth, and then the potential forgiveness of those. So, you'd find that you know, and there were there were parameters in place that only allowed so many people to participate initially that they were then opened up to other people to participate, and then you'd seen people coming in and taking loans and paying them back and being worried about fines and. What I've found for the most part is when I talk to people who have actually applied for the loans, they had a very good reason for applying initially because they didn't know what the government was going to do. And in certain places, that meant that they then had money they didn't need and they're turning around and they're paying it back. Um, Plus there are annual audits that are going on for anybody who took over X amount of dollars. So that whole program is something which is being scrutinized quite heavily and quite properly, I I, I would say. You want to – because – what you don't want to have anything have to happen is that anybody who's done things the right way business-wise throughout the years has earned their way to a certain point that they have to consume all of that to keep it going, while others who have maybe just been barely on the cusp all the time right. are being funded and supported to, to rise up again. Right. So yeah, That was um, always a big, you know, people wondered what was the effect of COVID going to be on the marginal business, right? The mm-hmm. one that was operating in the margins. Mm-hmm. And is it COVID that the reason that they, you know, were not, were not having success or was it poor management? And what was going to be the effect of a government bailout with, with them? You know, our, our view, you know, you used the term bailout, and I think that's a bit strong. Mm-hmm. Um, it was funds being targeted to areas where it was needed because organizations all of a sudden couldn't do or provide services in the manner in which they did before, simply because of the risk of, of virus and spread and so on. So having to spend dollars to 
mothball organizations or, or programs, if you will, and close them down. Those were the funds that came back in for um, an organization like us, for mm-hmm. example. And it kind of left us at almost – did it make us whole? No, but it, it really made it so that we really could helped. continue to do exactly what we're doing and to be able to plan for the future instead of feeling like, oh, it's all hopeless and it's mm-hmm. not – because it's not hopeless. There is always a way to keep pushing forward – it's just a. It's always becomes a choice of how you want to try and operate and what's what you want your organization to be. But there was always going to be the need to reward those people um, who were coming in and working two weeks, two weeks live in to stop the spread of infection. You know, I, when you say bailout, I think of the cruise line industry. And I right. Think I, wasn't the, sp- I was speaking <laughs> specifically to the payroll protection yeah. plan that mm-hmm. David was referring to, not to the nonprofit yeah. sector, but yeah. to yeah. cruise line, air, airlines, um, you know, the restaurant that was, you know, running in the red for five years in a row and then right. you know, gets right. a significant a bump. Uh, yep. bump. And yeah. it's not, there's payroll protection money, but there's also money that was uh, allocated to uh, the governors in states to Main Street funds to mm-hmm. give out that had no return. So right. literally millions of dollars went out everywhere, and there was not a lot of um, you know red tape on. Oh, you have to now you can spend it however you want. That literally is what the Governor Kristen Yunu in yeah. New Hampshire yeah. told businesses. You know, it's, it's your money. It's whatever you, yeah. you apply, you get it. Spend it. I, I do think though that um, that we are very used to being held accountable because. A lot of the money that we spend on the services are taxpayers' money. So we're not, we don't really have a problem um, telling people how we spend money. And, and I think um, we never really have done. And, I, again, I think the decision that we made a month or so ago to make sure that we were, that we were rewarding our direct care staff has, has made it easier, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, it's like it's, it, the ratio hasn't changed for a long time. Actually, it's probably gone up a tad, I should say. You've gone up from like 72 cents on the dollar to 75 cents on the dollar is people doing work and benefits and taxes you incur in order to do that. And then it's just that last 25 cents all the time that mm-hmm. provides all the supplies and yeah. supports mm-hmm. and the food and housing and so on and so forth. So. Well, David, thank you so much for your time and your expertise on this uh, topic. And I think, it, again, it is really exciting to see um, how the American Rescue Plan um, has derived some benefit uh, in getting wages increased. It's something we've talked about since we first started doing the podcast, was how the essential workers here at BAMSI and across this country deserve um, to be rewarded. And uh, I think that's that's exactly what's taking place. So appreciate your time. Uh, my pleasure to be here. I guess that means I don't get to do my Mac the Knife solo this time around. You do? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No, no, no. Get out of here. Uh, <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm Chris Ryan for PBU. Have a great rest of the day, everybody. Thank you.